Well, here it is, and it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Subalero, and with me always is my good friend, the guy that we call Kelly Grayson. Kelly Grayson, KG, how you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? You know, I'm just living the life, living the dream, and uh, excited about this show. You know, before we begin, though, Kelly, you know, we're going to talk about a couple stories that are in the news, but I do want to remind everybody that the 2021 EMS Trend Report is now open. So the survey to the Trend Report is now open, and this year's report, again, produced by EMS One and Fitch and Associates, Really, this is going to focus. It'll seek to identify how COVID-19 or the pandemic has impacted EMS agencies, providers, and really the industry as a whole. So we're going to go ahead and put the link in the show notes, or you can go to the EMS One homepage uh, for the link to the survey to add your voice. This is this is really important, ladies and gentlemen, and we talk about this all the time. This is about your voice, and we're seeking input from everybody in EMS, every level, every EMS personnel, uh, every service type, and it's your response in these areas that will help us develop a diverse representation of what's going on in this injury industry. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. When is somebody going to do something? It's by adding our voice to this survey that will allow us in a few months to look through that data. And Kelly, you and I always do a good job of breaking that mm-hmm. survey down and talking about some of the challenges. But, you know, it, this is a, the fifth or sixth year now that this has been yeah. going on. So, you know, Kelly, I got to tell you, I mean, this is very important for our career field and i encourage everybody out there who listens to the show to spend a few minutes and uh you know do the survey yeah you know we we joke in this podcast that we have our fingers on the pulse of ems but but the data that we can glean from the the uh uh survey is is really the pulse of ems it's what's what's important to uh, field providers, what's important to management and personnel, and often the divide uh, between what management and field providers feel is important. Uh, and, and knowing those things is tremendously valuable. So you need to make your voice heard uh, and participate in, fewer, uh, in future uh, surveys as well. Uh, I can't say it any better than that. That's just, uh, there, there's great information that comes out of these things. And if you want to improve something, you first have to measure it. And, and this is what this purports to do. Yeah, and one of the things that I, I'll even add on to that is this year's is probably even more important because EMS has really taken a bath in, in reimbursement, you know, oh, taking yeah. a bath in, in equipment. Uh, we're losing revenue. Um, so a lot of different things that, you know, we're losing call volume or some call volumes being increased. And how are we now going to be able to quantify what's happened in our career field? So anyway, let's not kick this dead horse. We're going to bring this up for a couple weeks. Uh, Kelly, we'll, we'll probably talk about this in the closing as well as a reminder. And uh, I'm going to do mine and uh, maybe we'll talk about some of the things that we found in there. But, uh, you know, Kelly, there's a couple things that were in the news this week that I think is really important for us to focus mm-hmm. on. Uh, last year, we did a show on uh, the use of ketamine in the field, and there was a couple of uh, cases where um, ketamine was used, and uh, there was some uh, really, really bad outcomes. And uh, But in Charleston, South Carolina, they proposed a bill that would make it a crime for first responders to use ketamine in uh, for the purposes of incapacitating a criminal suspect 
And, you know, if passed, legislation would create a misdemeanor charge and impose penalties on paramedics or law enforcement officers in the state who inject a drug that's used to incapacitate criminal suspects. Now, I, 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 when I read this, Kelly, you know, there's a couple things that went through my mind. First off, do we really need a law that says you shouldn't use this mm-hmm. drug just to incapacitate people? You know, ketamine is an Haldol, right? Ketamine yeah. is a drug that's used for uh, airway management, and it's an effective drug in airway management. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, this is the this is the Cadillac of drugs. I mean, it, we were excited when uh, you know RSI came into the field, mm-hmm. although it didn't really do what we wanted it to do. If we weren't, you know, if we were really taking somebody's respiratory drive away and and really kind of knocking them down as we always said but then atomidate came on this on the scene mm-hmm. and atomidate again was a great drug that we were able to utilize for airway management purposes we didn't have to we didn't have to uh, paralyze them but atomidate was a really good drug that would allow us the opportunity to have a better skill set in our airway management then along came ketamine and mm-hmm. this is really the top shelf of, of drugs. This is, you know, this is really what's used in, you know, operating rooms to help in the, uh, you know, the relaxation of the respiratory mm-hmm. drive for us to manage. But now, you know, there, there have been some opportunities for ketamine to be maybe used inappropriately. Mm-hmm. I was going to say abused, but I'm going to change my opinion. Uh, but uh, it has been used inappropriately. And now we've got to pass a law that says, oh, by the way, don't use this drug just to incapacitate suspects. Really? Is that where we are? But this is the problem, Kelly. I know I'm babbling, and I want to hear what you have to say, but this is the problem when lawmakers get involved in medicine. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And and you you mentioned the the benefits of ketamine. It's a great sedative. It's a wonderful dissociative anesthetic. It's a great adjunct to use for our agitated patients and our patients who need uh, pretty significant pain management. Uh, And as you pointed out, it's a pretty good smooth muscle relaxant as well. Uh, that doesn't have the effect on respiratory and cardiovascular uh, status that uh, that some of things like Atomidate and our RSI uh, uh, neuromuscular blockers do. So it, it's great for that asthmatic patient who is failing that you need to intubate. Uh, not only does it sedate them, uh, but it helps uh, um, with bronchodilation as well. But, you know, this thing out of Charleston, I, I, I can, if I could... If you ask me to come up with anything more ill-advised and silly than administering ketamine purely at the request of law enforcement to make it make it easier for them to manage their suspect, uh, the only thing sillier that I could think of is is the politicians weighing in on the matter. Uh, uh, stick to to uh, you know your pork barrels and and um, and. Uh, dubiously representing your constituents and and leave medical care to medical professionals. Um, This is not something we need a law for. What we need are policies in place at EMS agencies and law enforcement agencies to punish stupid people that use ketamine inappropriately, period. It it does not need to be uh, legislation passed in this regard. And, And thankfully, you know, the American Society of Anesthesiologists um, came out against it here in the article. In July, uh, they, uh, they opposed um, uh, 
the use of ketamine or any other sedative hypnotic uh, agent to chemically incapacitate someone for a law enforcement purpose and not for a legitimate medical reason. Okay, there's there's a, a respected authority saying you just don't just sedate people to, to make it easier for, for police. Um, if you are a paramedic and you are uh, asked to administer ketamine by the police, there needs to be a medical reason for it. And that patient needs to be transported in your ambulance with cardiorespiratory monitoring in place and someone trained you uh, to manage any complications that arise. And even so, in, in September, uh, National Association of EMS Physicians made a, an even stronger uh, response to this, this uh, issue uh, and said that um, uh, the suggestion that ketamine is routinely being used for non-medical purposes is dangerously misleading. You know, and, and it's true. The, these are zebra events that we're hearing about. Uh, and, and if you want to know, uh, there, there's an old saying, um, uh, hard cases make for bad laws. You know, difficult court cases and unusual cases with laws passed against them always bring about unforeseen complications and 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 uh, unforeseen circumstances and, and just not a real good idea to base a law based on a, a zebra event and and that's what's what's going on here. Uh, I, I would suggest that the the uh, uh, the nice folks in in uh, in Charleston. Uh, stick to uh politics and leave medicine out of it yeah i think that that was a good uh i think that was a good rant man on, on did, I, know, did i conceal my disdain for politicians or did that come through you know i was really i was <laughs> really i can't read between the lines there kelly but uh you're always hard to read you're like watching wallpaper dry well you know but, politicians and diapers uh should be changed frequently and for the same reason yeah okay i mean i like that i think that's good but you know just a little bit about you know ketamine as well is this is really a drug that we need to be able to utilize in our field i mean this isn't a new drug either i mean you know when you think about ketamine this was used as an anesthesia in the 60s in the vietnam mm -hmm. War, and yeah. a lot of people don't know that you know with the lower doses ketamine can ease pain it, it's a sedative um mm -hmm. and people need fewer painkillers they don't have to get on the morphines and or even uh it's even used uh, in burns as well for burn management so when we think about this as a drug that is something that really kind of changes the focus of how we do our business the drug has a lot of uh great uh opportunities for us mm -hmm. to utilize it in different areas but as you mentioned you know there has been in our career field the abuse of this drug and uh allegedly at the request of law enforcement to say let's knock these people down and let's use yeah. this drug now kelly you and i have been in this career field for a combined what 60 years 55 yeah. years and um we've been on the receiving end of people that we need to calm down sometimes chemically mm -hmm. and haldol is an amazing drug that we've used in the field for a lot of years that works very quickly and allows us to get that uh, medication on board to mm -hmm. kind of help with people who may be uh, a harm to the themselves or a harm to their uh, partners or the people around them i think i think we do need to have this drug or this type of drug in our formulary because we do need to uh, protect ourselves and sometimes chemical restraints are important 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know you you said Haldol in that, and and I'm sure you meant ketamine, but but Haldol is a drug that's got a bad. No, no, a bad no. I was well. I I I mentioned Haldol because okay. we've used yeah. Haldol in the field for a lot of years. Yep. To help with people who needed to be sedated because yep. of their uh, um, you know ability or because of the opportunity they may hurt themselves or hurt somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. used I've used Haldol, uh, uh, you know, a few times in my career to to calm people down. Yeah, and and you know the Haldol is uh, uh, I, I joke around and say that Haldol had a better PR department than Derperidol because Derperidol got the black box warning for for the, the uh, cardiac arrest caused by uh, administering to people with long QT syndrome. But Haldol has the exact same problem, um, yet didn't get a black box warning. Uh, and, and it's known as, as uh, uh, many medications that class uh, are known to do, is cause the extrapyramidal symptoms and dystonic reactions, but we can easily manage those things. But ketamine, you know, I, I've given ketamine a bunch in the field as a, a, both a, a sedative uh, for our combative patients and as an adjunct to, uh, to pain relief, uh, my, our traditional uh, analgesic medications. And it works. It works well. Uh, it's a safe drug to administer if you're not an idiot. Uh, and several of the, the uh, adverse events involving ketamine uh, that have hit the EMS news wires uh, have been uh, inappropriately dosed, uh, much higher dose than normal. I think the only patient I've had that had a, a less than desirable reaction to ketamine uh, was a result of me underdosing him. Uh, I, I think that I, I gave him just enough to have a bad ketamine trip, but not enough uh, to to cause uh, dissociative uh, a dissociative state. Uh, and uh, it was probably just uh, um, a submarginal uh, dose. You know, if I'd have given him a little bit more, I could have snowed him a little bit and his pain would have been relieved and he wouldn't have been freaking out and, and hallucinating the Grim Reaper. <laughs> but that's one out of dozens of times. Uh, uh, now, I can't tell you how many times I have given a child uh, a therapeutic dose of Versed uh, for their seizure. And that therapeutic dose of Versed also was uh, just enough to stop their breathing uh, for a little bit. Uh, that's happened more than a few times to me. Um, so every drug has indications, contraindications, and side effects. I would wager to say, Chris, that that we do more harm on a daily basis by administering high-flow oxygen to stroke and STEMI patients than we do by administering ketamine to violent and combative patients or uh, patients in I severe pain. I don't know. No, think about, think about how on, many okay. times... No, seriously. Think about how many times high flow oxygen has been used routinely on people who were normoxic, and and think of the 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 uh, you know cellular damage by by free oxide radicals uh, in stroke patients. Think of uh, the coronary artery vasoconstriction uh, that's exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish in STEMIs. You know, oxygen's, uh, high flow oxygen has been shown to, to uh, limit forward coronary artery blood flow by as much as 30%. You know, and here we are trying to dilate those coronary arteries with nitro. Um, so, yeah, and it's heck of a lot more frequently administered than ketamine. I, I wouldn't hesitate to say that oxygen probably does more harm 
when inappropriately administered to those two classes of patients than these few events we've seen with, with uh, ketamine inappropriately administered. The mm. difference is, is those, those instances don't make the news. Yeah, I don't know, so. man. I think you. I think basically you make my. <laughs> I think you make my butt hurt is what you do when you talk about. Well, like yeah, this. but I, I do that because I'm smarter than you, Chris. Whatever, so, it is, I mean, that, man, whatever it is, you <laughs> can you can put it on whatever it is. But you know, this is something that we need to keep our eyes on because yeah. we want to keep the politicians out of medicine, and yes. uh, we need to be able to make sure that we stay on top of it, Kelly. Well, I, well, I do well, want... Hold on, one one tangential thought right now. Just but the, it just occurred to me. Do I need to prepare to for this? As if in a dream. Do no, I got to prepare for this? No, you don't actually have to prepare for this. You know, we have shown in the last several months the ability for the FDA to get off of its its behind and fast track COVID vaccines uh, without bypassing any of the safeguards that previous vaccines were were uh, uh, required to have. They didn't cut any corners. They just got it done quickly uh, for a very needed vaccine, and they bowed to political pressure. You would think that we could do something like, you know, get the FDA to pr- uh, to approve Entonox for sale within the United States. And rather than have a $4,000 means of administering nitrous oxide, you could have a $50 means of administering nitrous oxide, uh, provided that we can demonstrate that EMTs, when the weather is cold, can invert a tank upside down a few times to remix the medication. You know, hey, FDA, get right on that. You know, we've demonstrated, heck, you're, you're letting EMTs administer COVID vaccines, but you don't trust them to uh, upend a tank a little bit to to remix the nitrogen and uh, nitrous oxide and oxygen. Get right on that. I said so. Yeah, I don't know that that was worth the time to just. To I wait. do, I, I do, man. I think it was. Okay, but uh, All right. you kind of took me off my game. But uh, <laughs> I do want to switch gears and talk about another topic, and something that really kind of made me proud about our career field. And this was written by our own Rachel Engel, and she works over at EMS One, and it's talking about modern day Rosies or Rosie the Riveters. If you've not uh, read that story, and go ahead and check it out. It's how one paramedic channeled her pandemic emotions into a tribute to female essential workers. Uh, Kate Bergen taught herself to paint nearly 20 years ago, but it was really the pandemic that turned her into an artist. And if you've not seen her work, uh, there is a, a painting in the uh, article uh, and it really is uh, kind of um, uh, you know channeling the world war ii posters of rosie the riveter and but it talks about you can do it uh, we need you to stay at home it looks like a female paramedic who's wearing a uh, mask uh, we step up so others can step back uh, are the words that are written in it but here's one of the things that really took me about this article is we do not, and Kelly, you and I have kind of touched on this throughout our career together, but we do not give the props to the female professionals that are in our field who are walking lockstep with us into this world of the pandemic, into this world Mm -hmm. of uh, being great EMS providers. And I think that one of the things, even leadership, we don't have enough women in leadership. And let's not even get into the diversity thing of uh, women of color and so on and so forth, uh, or even uh, male professionals of color, for that matter. We really have to be more diverse. But one of the things that made me feel good about reading this article was that – 
I think that we forget our female partners who are in the field. And this, this story really just kind of brought back into the fold that uh, we've got some pe- special people working in our career field, both men and women. Yeah, yeah, and indeed we do. And, and it's sad that in this day and age you still see some sexism uh, in, in EMS. I, I personally work with a couple of guys who, who can't keep, keep good partners uh, and, and they dislike and treat with derision and scorn uh, and disrespect any female partner they get. Uh, but, but those guys are, are uh, generally uh, equal opportunity jerks because not only are they sexist, they're just not nice people to begin with, and no partner gets along with them. But, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we need meat in the seat so uh, they can keep their jobs. Um, uh, plus, they've never done anything, you know, to, to, you know, overtly to get fired. It's just the attitude. Um, but I don't know, Chris, that that is as prevalent. Uh, I've seen it. You've seen it. I don't know how endemic it is because you still see the same. Uh, you still see some kind of sexism toward uh, male nurses, you know, uh, where nursing for many, many years was a female dominated profession. And, and men started getting into nursing and, and they, you know, they're they're. Uh, their masculinity is questioned because they went into nursing or, you know, what's the matter? Did you fail becoming a doctor and you, you had to settle for something less and, and stupid crap like that? Um, so so it, it happens in the reverse in other career fields, but it has no place in EMS. There's nothing that uh, a, an all-female crew uh, couldn't do that a man could, you know. Um, the, there's the, the, the physical, uh, uh, strength disparity is, is way overrated, uh, and really not all that necessary. You know, ladies, remember, don't lift with your back, lift with your firefighters. <laughs> but, but even that I, Kelly, that hasn't, that's, that, that has to really go away as well. Cause that's, in the day of, yeah. in the day of power cuts, what are they, what are they really having to lift? Exactly. Right? It's, exactly. it's just, it's and then you safer have, not exactly. to pick up all that stuff. Um, you know, and just looking at the at Kate's uh, artwork on these uh, celebrating these women, so, I mean, it does have that great uh, Rosie the Riveter vibe, and and that's, that's that's really good artwork. I like this. It has that that you know World War Two era um, patriotic uh, uh, um, feel to it, cast to it. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's I, I wouldn't mind having a few of these posters. God forbid in the man cave. That's it's it's a great sentiment and and they're really really well done. And I think that the more we can we can um, highlight our the the people in our career field, men and women uh, that uh, that are making sacrifices and and risking their personal safety and health uh, to do their jobs every day, we should do it. And I applaud Kate Bergen for for doing that because it's uh, it, it's pretty special. Uh, She's uh, her and, and Dan Sundahl are our, uh, I guess, our, our EMS artists and residents uh, that are uh, inspiring and, and honoring EMS workers with their uh, with their artwork every day. That's right. So, Kate, if you're out there, how do we get our, our hands on these pictures? Uh, you know, you got to be able to mass produce these so we can get them yeah. up in our agencies. Hey, signed print, Kate. Get, get us a signed print. For, you know, for Kelly Grayson and I. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And if you want to come on the show, come on and uh, give us a holler. Let's go ahead and talk to you about it. Because I think you need to be recognized for the ability to say, 
you know, let's put some art into our career field. But uh, if you can, if she can do one of me as Uncle Sam or like Uncle EMS, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Don't you think? Don't yeah. you think? We need you. Yeah, just in in in, in my Uncle Sam EMS outfit. That you know, be, there are a lot of people. Sweet. There were a lot of great artists out there. It would really be great to have an inside EMS, uh, you know, picture of somebody if they want to draw of you and me on the microphones. Yeah, uh, or something like that. I think that would be really cool. And, uh, you know, get in touch. Um, uh, we're happy to uh, uh, yeah. promote that work. But anyway, you know, Kelly, I think it's an interesting show. Uh, let's yeah. not forget about the EMS uh, trend survey. Um, you know, I think that uh, we need to keep our eye on the politics. And of course, this great story that comes out of, uh, you know, comes out of the uh, artwork of Kate Bergen. But mm-hmm. I think it's time to put a wraps on another show. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've heard what we think, guys. We'd like to hear what you think. And we'd like to encourage you to participate in the next EMS Trend Survey. The first step in taking ownership of your profession is speaking out and making your voice heard. Don't be one of those silent masses that always complains about what they do to us and what they make us do. Be the they uh, and, and take ownership and, and steer your profession in the direction you think it needs to go. But that's us. Um Give us your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>